Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of finding out that you've been dying and there was like a whole medevac just sitting around the corner. You just didn't know. It was- you could have sold me up that quickly. Really? Just one little scream. It's all it took. Thanks for joining us on Gaming on the Frontier. This week, we are going to follow up on our, hey, you, you didn't know this anything about this game, did you? Uh, series where uh, we're going to talk about Bureau 13 and all of the resources that are available to agents that they probably never even knew about. Now, it was tough uh, playing Bureau 13 back in the 80s because, A, we didn't know what was available. And as speaking as the GM, I didn't know what to make available to my players. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, you, in the game, there might there was a couple mentions of some uh, high tech weapons, like uh, there was a hand pistol laser, I think, and and, and a backpack laser, and uh, there was some cool gear that you kind of like anything you saw in Jane's Bond movie, you could basically have. But outside of that, uh, there wasn't a whole lot given to people. They, they, I mean, they they had rules for making uh, uh, m- making mages and. Uh, making uh, size, uh, people with psionic powers, uh, which had an entirely their own system, uh, unlike anybody else's system out there. But uh, And there was a ton of weapons. And they also had this thing called Banes, which no one knew how to use. We've already had an episode on using Banes. We recommend that you go back and check that out because that was really a very important thing that we didn't emphasize enough when I was actually running it back in the 80s because, again, we didn't really know how to handle them. Uh, We were all kind of learning how to play role-playing games back then. Uh, They hadn't even come out with second edition D&D, AD&D at that point. Uh, so these were all the, the, the grandfather games to all the games that are out there now. So anyways, uh, so there was a lot of stuff that we kind of made up as we went along and other people's campaigns were different. So some of the stuff I'm going to be talking about were actually things that were in my campaign. But since I was, you know, really close to Richard, I would bouncing stuff off of. He never said, no, 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 it's not like that at all, in which case... Which, if he had, I would have changed it. So if he didn't, I pretty much think it's real. So um, I guess the first thing we should talk about is the Colorado training base. Now, back in, uh, again, back in the day, you got hired on by the Bureau because you were in a supernatural incident that didn't kill you. Uh, that always seemed to be a real limiter on that. Uh, and uh, because the rules for playing ghosts were really poor, by the way. Uh, the, uh, uh, and the other thing was is that uh, they uh, you, 
shows yourself not one of those people that just goes screaming off into the night, you know, is, doesn't ha lose the sanity check like you do in uh, Cthulhu stories. Uh, you didn't uh, just crawl up into a ball. You didn't just start mowing down everything in sight, you know, and, and, and go on just, as, you know, uh, as some people say, bugs something crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, you actually tried to deal with what you saw. Uh, uh, probably the, the best example I've ever seen of this was in the movie uh, From Dust Till Dawn, uh, at which point they get into the uh, a, a back room after escaping from the, the vampires, and they're trying to wrap their heads around it, and the guy who uh, who's playing the priest, he basically looks at everybody else, and he says, look, he says... I don't believe in vampires, but I believe my own eyes. And what I saw was vampires. So what do we know about vampires? <laughs> and that's the kind of person that the Bureau looks for in their new recruits. Now, we're not talking about, you know, whoever's rattling their uh, paper, please put your uh, mic on mute. Uh, the people that are, like, inheriting you know they're, they're like the sons of agents and things like that we didn't really deal with that then when we came to play the game we didn't really think of anybody joining the bureau except you know other bureau agents i mean uh, people who had run had basically survived a supernatural encounter uh that was pretty much all you had to go with uh, and as we'll talk about later you know the idea of actually having a family that you know has agents coming out of it is a pretty rare kind of a concept and that would be really more of one of those things that you des that you design as as something that you want your your group to do but anyways the point was is that we had these people and they were from all walks of life and they were all ages except they had to be at least 18 uh, and we had to get these people trained because <laughs> investigating the supernatural isn't anything that anybody's actually trained for. Even if you know something about the supernatural, even if you are the supernatural, okay, you don't know everything about everything. You probably don't have a wide spectrum and you have a lot, a lot of misinformation. So the Bureau has a training course and I placed it in Colorado. I called it the Colorado Training Base uh, and it was a boot camp, uh, but... Uh, uh, it took like at least six months, if not a year, uh, where you, they basically put you through it. And, uh, you know, if there were some friendly, uh, supernatural, they would stop by and, and, and maybe give some tips on how to deal with people of their kind, especially if there was a, a way to disable them without killing them, because, you know, it, <laughs> It, it, it's just like Spock should should have been teaching everybody how to do that Vulcan mind you know uh, uh, mind grip the nerve pinch the nerve yeah. pinch yeah because I mean yeah. you know he just touches people and they drop down okay I mean think of how many lives could have been saved by being able to do that anyways you know and, and all we ever got was well I have tried Captain <laughs> so but anyways. Uh, 
So the Catskill, I'm not sorry, the the uh, Colorado train base was in my campaign back in the 80s, the place everybody went. And then once that happened, you know, you would basically from the the people that were around you, okay, either at the end of it, you would get hired mm -hmm. on by another team, uh, which was which is how you would later on when you brought in um, new new characters to existing teams, they would say, okay, we're going to go to the train base and see who's there. And they would pick up, you know, the uh, uh, the agent that had a big PC button floating over his head, which was the other player there at the table. And um, otherwise, you would just get together with, like, other members of your team, uh, of your class, so to speak, and form a new roving team. They give you a Colorado RV. They fit you out with body armor. You get your pick of weapons, and they'd send. You, they'd give you a mission and send you out to live or die by your wits and hopefully your training. So hopefully you paid attention. So that was the first one. But, you know, that isn't the way that most people do it these days because, you know, we've... Especially, we've gone through a number of editions. Uh, we had the 1992 edition, and we also had the uh, uh, 2008. I think, yeah, 07, 08, yeah. Yeah, 2008 edition, uh, which Trav edited. Uh, and mm -hmm. uh, where Bangor, Maine uh, became the premier location to do most training. So as a result, they still use the Colorado training base, but they use it for extended learning. It's a place where you go if you want to either improve some of your skills or if you need, you know, if you want to learn a single new skill. It's not a place to go when you want to like just totally get, you know, the full training regimen. That's handled over at Bangor, Maine, because they have Oh, okay. Bruce, I, yeah. I just realized, uh, do you remember Amber's character, Serendipity? Yeah. Okay, the half-Egyptian Egyptian princess, princess half-Succubus, yeah. yeah. She would be not at Bangor, Maine, because remember, she went on to, to do advanced training for, like, Arcana, Plains, Religion, History. She'd be at the Colorado training base. Well, I want to learn more about spellcasting. I want to learn more about, you know, ancient history. Saren would be at that base then for you to take these advanced level classes. Okay. Right. And so what they would do is that they would fly out somebody who, you know, who was an expert in something um, and they would bring them in for you to train under that person in, in secrecy, of course. Um, and then, you know, paying them very well. And then they'd, you know, as far as they, they knew you were just some rich, you know, some rich industrialist child who, uh, or rich industrialist who wanted to learn about something and was able to bring you out to some, you know, mountain retreat, you know, where they had lots of room and nobody com complained too much, but, but with the sounds of screams or explosions. <laughs> so, <laughs> but back to Bangor, Maine. Okay. In 1992, Nick Pallotta, uh, released a, a series of novels through Ace, uh, which were uh, action novels about Bureau 13. And in that, he described a new location that was called Bangor, Maine, that did not in any way reside in Bangor, Maine. <laughs> so, uh, Trav, why don't you talk about that? Okay, uh, and this is a recap because, trust me, me, Bruce, and John, we've talked about this at length. 
Banger Main is a pocket dimension. Uh-huh. And you it has apparently a time arch where you enter in the middle, and if you go to the left, time goes slower. You go to the right, it goes faster. Now, the main reason why it's the big training base for today is because you can get your year's worth of training. Now, now you, you live, live a year, year in this time pocket of Banger Main. And you go through physical training, mental training, weapons training, investigative techniques, knowledge of the supernatural, knowledge of the alien. And I think Bruce or John did say it was six months physical training, six months worth, and then six months worth of book work and other types of mental, more cerebral it was skills. A, it was a full year. Yes, but you come back from it, back to Earth, and you've only been gone 24 hours. So it's some serious time dilation. Right. So, and, you, so you go to the right, because time's faster there. Well, no, you go to the left because time slows down. No, not for you. I'm saying... Well, time, you, live, you live a year, but you only come back at 24. Yeah, yeah we, we decided, decided that not, not the, in, the entire pocket dimension couldn't be having this time acceleration because the only people who would be able to live and work there would, would be, be like elves. So we had to we had to sit there and kind of redact it and say it's a certain part of the pocket dimension has the the time dilation. Yeah, you're right, it would be slower. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. So anyways, uh so I mean they basically have built, you know, facilities in this time arch area you know and uh uh and it's and it's also the um in some ways the jail because uh if you uh if you want to you know if you want to just put somebody on ice you can toss them to the end the the end uh, of the slow time and they they basically won't experience time changing ever <laughs> i mean the next time if you next time you pull them out it's like no time has passed for them so they'll be there until the end of time literally because it's sl so slowed down there and which means they can't figure out a plan of escape because they don't have no time has passed for them to do so on on the other side you can throw somebody into the the end of the really fast time area and if they can't figure out how to uh escape then they're dead. So basically, like, one second goes by, it's like, okay, they did figure out how to get out, so I guess they're dead. Which is kind of nice, because you can, like, set up all, you can set up a real powerful uh, uh, welcoming committee if they actually manage to break out of that, that side of it, and, uh, uh, and, and you're ready for them, rather than, you know, no matter when they come out, it's basically almost no time has passed for you waiting outside. So you're all ready to go. So you're all hyped up and got your drugs going. You got your weapons hot. Everything's ready. So you're prepared with anything that comes out of that, hopefully. So it's, uh, that's, that's why they, and it's basically an execution. Uh, but most of the time people use the right side for, as you said, learning, but also for healing. Because, you know, if, if you go and break a bone, it's going to take you six weeks to heal up. You can spend six weeks in the right side and only take a, you know, a, 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 few, a few hours or even a day. Because, you know, time's faster there. Okay. okay. So right. your body is healing normally, 
but to the outside world, no time has passed, or very little. Also, um, we did do an episode on this, and it was Amber, well, now Amber Culp, but Amber Rose Audition episode, and she planned out a lot of things, like, like that's, that's where also our reliquarium would be. Oh, all the, the artifacts, artifacts that we've picked, picked up over the, over the past century. Yeah, yeah they're, they're in this vault. You know, it's, it's like the warehouse in the Indiana Jones movies. That, that kind of thing. All of our little heavy-powered trinkets and cloaks and magic weapons and high-tech, god-tech devices are all in this place. Yeah. That's another thing that's in Bangor, Maine. Right, you're right. The reliquarium is there, but there's also another reliquarium we'll talk about later. Okay. Okay, so um, so that's Bangor, Maine. Uh, now, uh, the other place, the other base that we have is the Catskill Mountains, which was built in the remains of a mountain that was the home of an ancient race of fae-type creatures called witches. Uh, they were they're actually man-sized, and they would fly on eagles, and it was all based on a. Uh, 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 on a play called uh, Dark of the Moon, and uh, which took place back in uh, colonial times. Uh, but, you know, things happened, and they left, leaving this really nice honeycombed mountain, which the Bureau moved into and set up one of its X-teams at, called the Vindicators. Basically, the premier smackdown, omega-level threat, dealing group of of special agents, uh, and we've recommended people doing things like, uh, you know, playing X teams. This was one of the options was to be a member of the Vindicators. Nobody actually spends any time in the Casco Mountains except the Vindicators, <laughs> just, but it is a base. And so sometimes when you call for some some help, and all of a sudden these guys start come, you know. Well, they basically come jumping in on jump jets and such. Uh, that's where they're coming from. That's where their base is. So any place you can reach relatively quickly with a uh, uh, from the Catskill Mountains, they could be there pretty quick. So it's it's it's, it's sort of the bureau's version of uh, uh, the the uh, X Mansion, Xavier's Mansion. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Except, like I said, the only people who live there are the people that are on the team. All right. <laughs> So, uh, Jonathan, why don't you talk about the island? Yeah, that was... Uh, I just uh, found out about this today. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I am coming through, aren't I? You're echoing. Yeah. yeah. Dang it. Oh. All right. Let's try this. No there. longer echoing, right? That's better. Excellent. Okay, good. So, yeah, I just found about uh, found out about this uh, today. I Well, I... I got reminded of it today. I remember hearing about it before. Now, it's been in the was, book ever since, like the second edition. Yeah, it's a nice little, happy little island where they put all the things that don't need to be out in the world. Uh, usually, rogue agents um, or those who have gone completely off the deep end and cannot be allowed amongst the general public. Especially agents who've killed other agents. Yeah, those who know way too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we can't trust them to keep quiet. Yeah, and and we would tell our our players, we'd say, you know, you can't go too far and get, and we'll send an X team after your butt. 
you know, and a couple and a couple would say, "Oh yeah, bring it on," but then I'd look at them and they go, oh, "Okay." <laughs> it was it was one of the few it was one of the few sticks that we actually had that worked and and frankly every time it happened you know uh, I I succeeded I took them out so they never they never got, had the last laugh on that so yeah but you know these these are really a lot of times these are your most your long standing very powerful agents you know sometimes supernatural powers sometimes mages or psionicists sometimes were creatures. Things that you basically can't uh, just let go, and so this would be kind of like if, because I have Team Candlestick, which is one of the few Omega level teams that are out there. If they were to go try, try to go, go rogue, rogue, exile, what, what, I, what, what I've, I've heard, heard this island, island called is exile. exile. This, this is where they would go, go if they were to somehow be mind controlled or switch to the other side. side. Yeah, I remember. I. I, I not sure exactly where I first heard of the island, but yeah, yeah as, as I, I was reading up on it, I'm like, oh yeah, this if if my team were to lose it completely, this is where this would be their reward, either that or a bullet. <laughs> yeah, a, <laughs> a very, very powerful, powerful bullet. <laughs> right. Uh, by the way, Trav, you're you're echoing too. Hmm. Okay, let me try to figure out what's going on here. Keep going. All right. So, uh, anyways, uh, the uh, and of course, you know, I mean, it's it's it, one of the main reasons it's there is because it's it's supposed to punish. It's a punishment. It's literally where you send people to get punished. So you know, because yeah, they could do things like take, you know, mind wipe them or kill them. Okay, but you know. Bureau agents are given an awful lot of power, an awful lot of le leeway. And so this is one of the few things that we, they tell them, says, no, we're, they're not going to kill you. They're going to put you someplace, and you're going to wish every day that you didn't have to live there. And you'll be doing that for the rest of your life. And they're all like... This would be where they, this this be where where they, they say, we're going to put you in a deep, dark hole and throw away the hole. This, this is, is the island. island. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And for people that have supernatural powers, they give them drugs to uh, suppress them. And drugs, these are powerful drugs because these are powerful abilities. And they have side effects. And you have to live with those side effects. And they ain't pretty. <laughs> so, so, let me, let me, let let me just, just say, say something, something real, real quick. quick. Yeah, yeah, Evelyn. Evelyn. Okay, continue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. This, this uh, is the place where you have that never ending migraine. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so if you ever think about, you know, I mean, the bureau is the good guys, okay. But at the same time, though, is is that you know you can go too far, and they are willing to punish people. <laughs> well, it's the whole thing. Who watches the Watchmen? Yeah. If the bureau's the guardian against the supernatural for, you know, America to make sure that its national interests are maintained. Somebody's got to make sure they don't go too far, and there has to be consequences. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, on the entirely other side of the United States, in the Pacific, is Pacific Island, and that's a whole other place. That's a great place to go because that's uh, a, that's where most of the bureau um, research labs are, and it's also the primary 
uh, supply point for uh, the uh, far side lunar base. So yeah, you know, you ever so it is it is definitely the world of tomorrow on that base. And uh, they have all kinds of stuff going on there. You know, I mean, I, I, I've always thought that, you know, is, is there's one place that the Fringeworthy would probably love to go, but they probably have never been allowed to, is probably Farside Base. But maybe, maybe they're allowed there. I don't know. But um, uh, in the Pacific Island. So uh, the way it works uh, is that there is a guy who lives on the island. And he is an absolute teleporter, meaning that he teleports things an absolute distance. And his range is around 250,000 miles, which allows him to basically send stuff up into space and land it right either on the moon or in orbit around the moon or on the far side of the moon, <laughs> wherever he's, you know, whatever he's up to. And, um, uh, and that's how, and that's not just, you know, he, any object that he can lift, he can send. So people, boxes of supplies, you know, various things, uh, that's the limitation. And it, uh, uh, and in the, in the story that basically introduces it, uh, in, um, uh, uh, I believe it's, uh, Aliens Among Us. Uh, that's uh, you're you're being sent there because far side base goes dark and everyone wants to know what happened. Uh, anyways, it's uh, it's, uh so uh, get your hands on that and you'll get that information. Uh, but along with uh that base, it's linked to a uh the far side base, which is probably uh the premier um anti alien base in the solar system uh it's on the it's basically uh operated by you know it's really a military base uh and it has like the best hardware uh you know det uh detection and hardware that i debt uh, i'm sorry uh, that uh, bureau 13 is able to put up supernatural and um regular you know missiles uh weather makers uh lasers of all kinds just they you know they got it all and uh if you've ever seen the old television show uh uh, uh shadow uh no it was called ufo ufo uh the the lunar base is is like that except that they don't have anything that picks up and flies they do have shuttles but they don't have like little attack um ships with nuclear bombs on them. They have missiles that fire those things. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> now to, uh, uh, and, and, and Bedroom Eye is a satellite that flies in a, uh, uh, in a uh, polar orbit uh, right at the terminus between the, the, the light side and the so-called dark side, the side that faces the Earth, in other words. Okay, and it uh, it orbits just above the highest mountains in its path, so it literally, I mean, from the Earth you can't even see it uh, because it's so close to the surface. And of course, since there's no atmosphere, it can do that. So it's hmm. uh, you know there's no, there's nothing to slow it down or or anything. So it literally is you you could theoretically uh, jump you know with with a with a, a 
a decent jetpack, okay, you could jump out of bedroom eye and just, you know, rocket down to the surface of the planet, uh, of, of the moon, I should say, right? So, um, the, uh, let's see here, uh, the only, uh, the only aliens that are allowed to, uh, approach Earth, uh, are those that have been given prior permission by the men in black. And, uh, there is one additional uh, fire base that is on the uh, uh, on the side facing the Earth, and it's that it's it's the location where when you've ever you know said, "Hey, Bureau Central, can you help me out? We've got like you know the undead crawl, you know, coming up out of everywhere. We got Raccoon City here, and the Bureau says, okay." Incoming in 10 minutes. That's where it's coming from. Basically, it is their orbitable bombardment base. And uh, they can pretty much uh, take out... Oh, I mean, at one time, uh, probably uh, a small city. You know, and of course, they're... Uh, it's coming straight down from the moon, so nobody would have any idea where it's coming from. It's not going to show up on anybody's radar because nobody's tracking, you know, anything. And, and they would probably be using, uh, uh, they would probably be using beam weapons anyway. So by the time anything registered that something was coming, it would already be too late. So ah, okay. They try not to hit anything that's already in orbit. <laughs> but of course, you know, if you have to use it, you have to use it. But it's 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 uh, the last time I used it in my campaign was when we was I was running one of the adventures out of uh, Terror Watch, where um, the an elf an elven realm was trying to uh, make a beachhead in uh, Ohio. And uh, okay. and, and the bureau basically said, "You've got you've got six hours." to solve this or, you know, central Ohio is going to have a really bad day. <laughs> if you have anybody you love in Columbus, you might want to get their affairs in order. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or give, give the, give, give them the, you know, the, the, the QT, you know, <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's not like anybody knows anything's going to happen. I mean, they, they were more concerned about the supernatural incident you know, getting on the press than what was going to happen in six hours. Now, once something happened in six hours, of course, there'd be a lot of questions. But, you know, until then, wasn't much to worry about. <laughs> it, was, it was just a threat. But it wasn't a threat. It was really happening. So, uh... I think there's very little that when the Bureau says something that they can't back up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just... We're going to send... Yeah, we're We're going to send you to so many dimensions. Yeah. You it, won't know where you came from anymore. anymore. Oh, oh, wait a minute. You're, you're joking. joking. And they just, just give, give you that, that look. look. No, no, really. really we can do that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Don't mistake my tone of levity to be a sign of bluffing. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that trip that Dr. Strange took, the first one through all the dimensions, that's pitiful compared to what we'll put you through. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no! I, I, as I said, the the Bruce had mentioned the base. He didn't mention Far Side Base, but he did mention that there was a Moon Base, 
and the satellite above it in a previous episode we did probably about a year and a half ago. Right. So this is much more information that I learned. Right. You know, as I said, I've, I've been involved with TriTech, you know, pretty much for like 25, 30, and I still learn new stuff every time we do this. So. Right. Well, uh, and the, uh, uh, and there are actually more bases in the solar system, but those are manned by IDET. Ah, okay. Because they're places that you can get to on using the, uh, uh, using the system platform. Uh, so, uh, Jonathan, why don't you explain, uh, how IDET in the system platform works in the Bureau 13, uh, solar system. Okay. See, I didn't realize it up, but it makes perfect sense now. So yeah, with, with the, the, with the Fringeworthy having access to the, uh, the solar system platform, which is if you're, if you're on the alternate platform, you have the one major pathway leading to the prime where Bureau 13 would be. And it's eight gates. You head in the opposite direction. You head out to the solar system platform that has the eight gates to various planets and moons and asteroids in the solar system. Right. So, yeah, it'd be easy for them to go there and set up bases. And is this to help the... um, it's sort of a favor to Bureau 13? Well, yeah, it's part of the, it's part of the deal. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, the, the, yeah this we'll, would be we'll another thing bases. that Colonel... Ta- another thing that Colonel Talbot would be in charge of, yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah. we'll set up these bases to watch uh, watch out for for incoming aliens in exchange for you guys letting us in on some of the stuff going on, your, your interesting little reality here. Right. Yes, the uh, and what happens is is that like you know they have you know really good you know sensors uh, on whatever base they're at, okay, and they they detect you know a warp signature or something happening, and they immediately you know they figure out which direction it's coming from or whatever. They immediately go through the portal and jump you know um, uh, get into you know uh, in, in a high speed vehicle. They race. All the way back down to uh, uh, to the, the the planet to Earth, uh, you know, to what's called paranormal Earth, and they come out and they they send a message to the bureau saying, "Hey, this is what we you know uh, this is what we discovered. Something's incoming. Uh, you know, better get ready." And because it's you know uh, it's they only have to go a total of about a hundred miles. All right. If they travel that distance at, let's say a hundred fifty, two hundred miles an hour, then they're, they're effectively getting the equivalent of five to 10 times the speed of light over the actual distance that they've traveled within the solar system. Oh, so you're basically, you have a faster than light warning system. Well, that's what I was wondering is, Assuming this assumes that none of those solar system gates are anywhere close to Earth. Well, I mean, the closest there would be uh, would be. Uh, I mean, assuming there is one on the Moon, the closest one there would be would be uh, Mars or the asteroid belt 
or um, any of the other ones. I mean, most of the planets are not really good for for, for putting a, a base on. So it's going to be on a moon right. or it's going to be on an asteroid somewhere or, you know, some dwarf planet, you know, out in the... Uh, um, the Kuiper Belt. Yeah. The Kuiper Belt. So, right. yeah. So I'm, I'm not saying they wondered... have a lot of them. I'm just saying is that they have at least a right. few that they could use to, you know, do, provide early warning. Because that's what I'm just wondering is like if it's something coming in and they like say the Kuiper Belt uh, base uh, picks up a reading and gets a good view of some incoming, you know, craft. If there was another base, say even as close as Mars, yeah, that's only a ten-minute transmission from from Mars. They didn't. Even, they wouldn't even have to necessarily. Yeah, if they detect drive it in Mars, way, but wouldn't you rather yeah. detect it further out, where it literally well, no, takes saying, hours and they, hours to get get to Earth? Well, no. What what I'm saying is they wouldn't have to detect it at Mars. They would. Ha they could detect it at Kuiper Belt. Walk out the portal. Walk across a platform to the Mars base and then send a, a radio message from Mars. If they did, if they had one like that. Yeah. So, so one problem is, is that the um, uh, the uh, portal mapping that we have from, from uh, TriTag Games does not include anything on the uh, <laughs> on the system platform for any of the nodes except for Earth Prime. Right. So. Um. 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 Yes. I do, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, it's Earth Prime only. That's right. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I was thinking it was the positive six and negative six each had them. I go, no, that, no, Earth's nope. right. It is just Earth Prime. So yeah, it's per GM fiat where you place your system platforms. Right. And if you want to do it that way, yeah, I mean, if you could basically just run across to another portal and basically skip all that and then send a message, you know, that, that might be faster. Okay. But for sure... Yeah. You know, if you go, if you were at the furthest point in the solar system and you jumped in your car and drove 200 miles an hour, uh, uh, basically a yeah, half yeah. hour to Earth, uh, to not Earth you're Prime, still but Earth. Time, yeah. Yeah. You're, I mean, assuming, of course, that the ship's coming in isn't, you know, operating at, you know, multiple times the speed of speed of light. A lot, uh, a lot of uh, stories basically say once you get within. Uh, a certain distance of the main solar mass, you can't be in warp drive anymore. Yeah, you have to slow it down to sublight once you're within a system right. just because of all the various celestial bodies. And Bruce, something else here, yeah. and it's something you brought up a while back, and I keep forgetting the, the blasted name, but it's basically the always got bars technology. Yeah. Couldn't we just use that for intrasystem communication? Maybe. That's possible. Okay. Yeah, I I, really I, didn't, I, keep, I didn't think about that. I was you know just thinking. And about, I keep. I, it's quantum what? Quantum entanglement. Entanglement. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that you know some uh, some of the atoms that are in the communication device are also essentially in another communication device back on on the planet. And so when you talk okay. into it, you're essentially, you know, it's, it's like, you know, when you had a, a, an extension on a, on a phone system in your house. Yeah. You're all still part of the same system. So when you pick up the phone, you don't actually even have to be connected to the outside phone system. You can talk from handset to handset. This is kind of the same idea using quantum physics. 
Yeah, you know the whole mom get off the fo- mom get off the phone. I'm trying to get online. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you were trying to get. Uh, or it's like yeah. uh, mom picks up the phone and breaks your connection right in the middle of your download that you've been doing for an hour and a half. Mom. <laughs> mom, I'm talking to my friends. Get off the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is a thing back in the day, folks. We had called dial up. <laughs> yep. Yes. The good the good bad old days. The horrible screen oh, yeah. by actually getting to uh-huh. the Uh-huh, yep. Uh, that, that was a part of me courting my second wife because it was AOL. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. All right, so, uh, yeah, so there actually are a number of ways you could set up an, uh, a long-distance base. And if, and in fact, is, is that if your technology is good enough, you could, uh, uh, you could, go ahead and uh, set that up to be automatic where you just send it out to one of those asteroids or, you know, Vesta or any of those places and using that, uh, uh, that aligned technology, you could send the message back to uh, uh, Bureau 13 right immediately, which would be great. Okay. However, you still have to get it out there. And that's where the, the, uh, uh, the fringe road would probably be involved because, you know, once you're in space, you're halfway to anywhere, so uh, and they could launch them from uh, from the moon, uh, but you know all the way out to wherever they're going. But if you can like skip a couple, you know, uh, you know, half of a light year <laughs> by going through a, a system portal, I think it probably before you launch your uh, uh, your satellite package, it would probably be a good thing. So. So you should assume oh, that is. they do have that. And there's a good reason why. And Trav, do you remember why it's a good reason to set up these kinds of things? Oh, for um, launching uh, spacecraft via fringe portals? Why, why you need a long-distance early warning system? Well, because there are other races out there. Remember, the Bureau 13 universe and the Incursion universe is the same thing. Exactly. There is a, yeah, there, is a, there are many spacefaring civilizations on the reality of paranormal Earth. And there are brain pirates out there that are looking yeah. for your brain. <laughs> yeah. I, well. I feel bad for any IDET teams that go out to the star platforms for paranormal Earth. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Running all those space vampires. All of them there. <laughs> I'm making that up. Nobody knows what's out on the actual space platforms. But, on the other hand, since it is, uh, we, and we don't know how far uh, Earth is away from the uh, the rest of the, uh, uh, the Constantipur uh, hegemony, uh, it may be that one of those uh, star platforms is actually inside the borders. Well, yeah, I mean, well, I because I run, you know, I run my Saturday Night Bureau 13 game and it's heavily involved in space, especially right now. Yeah, me trying to do math. And I figured that the whole Zemex starport and all the stuff with the Enshani is within what they call the Orion Cygnus arm, which is the sort of mini arm of the spiral galaxy we're in that has Earth's solar system and Alpha Centauri and all that. I kind of figured that it's like, what, 3,000 miles 
high by 20,000 or light years, not miles. Yeah, I like got that. 20,000 light years long, 3,000 high, 7,000 wide. And within that, among other star-faring races and groups, would be the Constantner Consortia. I actually, you know, and I, I looked through incursion and all that, and as I said, you know, various sites. And yeah, I think all that stuff might be within our spiral arm, which is still a very large area of space. As I said, you know, 20,000 light years long. Yeah, nobody understands how big that is. It's just, it's just math. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it took me a lot of time to do it, but I figured that out. I said, wait a minute, it's all near, relatively nearby. So, yeah, well, there could be, well, if Rich, ZMAX, I mean, yeah. If Richard had if Richard had told us how long they were on that spaceship before the uh uh before they had the uh the rebellion uh that got them the Ashani spaceship in the in the in the uh incursion game, knowing yeah. how how fast the Ashani star drive worked, how far you could go in that would have told you exactly how far they had gone before that happened. And that, that would have been a lot of help, but he never did, never told us. Well, I mean, for using the cube system, it was, you pop the cube in, it reads, you know, the coordinates. I think you hit the crystal three times and then the fourth time activates the HDFL drive and it's, what, D hundred hours, so it can vary each time. I, I mean, I thought, the distance I, is the same, but the travel time is different. I thought it wasn't. I thought that it's, you know, it, it's, I mean, you, you at least know what the outside range was, you know, because uh, I, it, I would think. It, it was any, anywhere in the galaxy you could go, and even FTL, I because I had to look in the Incursion book because I have uh, Team Candlestick from the fanfic I wrote that I sent to Rich and he said, yeah, this is all, you can use this as can as far as I'm concerned. And I looked at incursion. It's like, if you're using either just normal faster than light travel or the HTFL drive with the nav cubes, it's D 100 hours per trip from destination to destination. And I understand the variances in time that it could take you four hours, one time to go to, let's say the Vegas system, 24 hours away. And the next time it might take three days. Variances in galactic and stellar drift and various, you know, other celestial phenomena that could happen. So I could see why it would differ each time. But yeah, travel time. I mean, I'm sure if the Ardana New crew, the humans that took it over, were to learn the ship enough, yeah, they could figure out after a while using a lot of math and a lot of astronomy that, yeah, it... This is this to here. It's only you know like fifteen light years. We're almost home, you know. But I remember also John saying that if you get within, I want to say like twenty five light years, the astronomy that we know would be of no help because you know you're in a different perspective, so constellations would be useless and everything. Mm -hmm. I remember him saying that we were talking about incursion. This was years ago, but I think he said like twenty five light years and everything we would know about astronomy it wouldn't work. Oh yeah, definitely because we're it's all based. Yeah. It's you know, I mean if you made if you actually made a decent model, a computer model, you might be able to work it out. But I'm just saying is it uh, our yeah. problem is that everything is from our our night sky perspective. So yeah, yeah, you go at a certain distance and none of the constellations match and you know, yeah. only and and the only things you can really identify are really really far away. You know, I'm sure you could still tell where the uh, Andromeda galaxy was. and Yeah, exactly. You know. It would take something like that, nebulas and, and, and galaxies out there. Right. 
So you might and, be able to said, figure something out. But dope man. it out from there. Yeah. yeah, it would still take a very high-powered nav computer. Once you plot, okay, this is the Andromeda Galaxy. This is, let's say, the Crab Nebula. And over here is this. Okay, now we have three points of reference. We can start triangulating where other things are. Right. But it would still take a lot of math and a lot of computer power. Right, and if you're a couple of light years off, it's going to be really hard to figure out where you should have gone to. Yeah. All right, yeah. well, moving back on to uh, I, uh, Bureau 13 bases. <laughs> All right, uh, uh, why don't you... Uh, 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 I'm sorry, uh, uh, Jonathan, why don't you talk about Semtech? I'm actually not familiar with it. This is one I had completely not seen until uh, today. This um, is the original, uh, the original only official base that was ever in the original books. Uh, it was in the, uh, it, it definitely, I think it was in the original book that was released. It was definitely in the uh, Spiral one. And, yeah, it uh, was in the 82 edition, I remember. Right. Okay. And uh, Semtech uh, was a secret base that was underneath a, uh, a, a, a concrete manufacturing uh, facility called Semtech. And it was in Banger, Maine. That's why every that's why we got these names like Banger, Maine. It's not just because of Stephen King. <laughs> Anyways, uh, and you know, it was one of those places where they're making a prodigious amount of noise all the time because of what they're manufacturing, and therefore, you know, any strange thumps or howls or anything like that can be pretty, you know, or you know, even uh, gunfire or whatever can be easily masked by that kind of thing. It was the original location where they housed supernatural entities that they didn't want to outright kill or couldn't outright kill. Uh, later on, uh, uh, and you know, and it's it's also it was a place they said they used to uh, uh, when they had a supernatural in incident and they had a lot of people that were affected by it. They would bust those people over to Semtech, where they would spend a, a, an extended period of time being debriefed, talking to psychologists you know, possibly uh, getting some uh, memory drugs applied, you know, whatever it was necessary to get them taken care of so that they could reinsert back into society again. This is sort of like a quarantine unit. Yeah. 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 But it was also, like I said, it was also a place where uh, they, they could interrogate supernatural creatures. Right. Uh, you know, and, and, and various things. So now uh, in 1991... Uh, uh, Nick Pilata released his Bureau 13 novels, and, in that, and that's the point where he talked about Banger, Maine being in a pocket dimension. So that's when, you know, I would say officially uh, the, uh, uh, it was open for business and Semtech became a secondary facility, much like uh, in some ways the Colorado uh, trading base became a somewhat secondary facility. But it does provide, you know, it still provides some very you know, good services, especially to the victims of the supernatural. So, uh, and they and they and they keep it going because, you know, for some people that was their job. You know, they like working there. <laughs> yeah, and it's also play, you know, and things like memory drugs and uh, and when I say memory drugs, are usually to help you remember. We're talking about amnesia drugs, but any kind of memory editing drugs, they really are best applied in precision. 
Okay, most of the time when you're out in the field, you say, hey, shoot that guy with a uh, amnesia drug. You're like, huh, he looks like he weighs about 150 pounds. Okay, let's add another 20 pounds for good measure. All right, bang. Hopefully this will erase the day. Yeah, maybe the week. Yeah, <laughs> but if you're in a situation where you can apply it in, in micro doses over an extended period of time, you can actually... Uh, do memory editing much better uh, than you would otherwise. Uh, so that's, you know, I, I think of it as probably one of the best places to go and get uh, people's memories edited, including agents, because there are times when the, the, the agent comes back and says, okay, I saw something I can't unsee, or can I? And they this say... This is the brain... Bleach facility. That's right. Yep. We're going mm -hmm. to send yeah. you out there. The other way of handling it, by the way, is that I believe that there are some, some spells that can actually edit memory. but uh, Modified memory in, in OGL. Yep, that'd yeah, be another yeah. thing. But I think even in the original Tritech system, they had a couple of, of memory editing. Or maybe it was a psionic power. I can't remember. <clears throat> it would definitely fall under the danger powers if it does, because yeah. you could just imagine somebody with that power going around and yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you, you you don't remember what I just did to you? Yeah. And it's like you know, and, and, you know, you always had one kidney. Oh, that. Oh, that's that's cruel. Yes. <laughs> well, it could be worse. You know. Yeah. You know, mm. I'm pretty sure that uh, there's there's other organs that are even more valuable. But um, yeah. And of course, there's you know, it, it's the ultimate date rape drug. Not that we condone that. Just, no, no. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah as we yeah, usually yeah. say, not, not that there's anything wrong with that. There's everything wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. We get to say that, yeah. Cosmic but, level wrong there. Just, yeah. But yeah. Okay. This is so, the thing you, you don't let the PCs do. You have them hunt the NPCs that do it. Right. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. right. That's right. It's always best, it's always best to, to, to let the players have you know uh give their characters enough rope to hang themselves all right <laughs> so we are done with bases wow that was a long but we have more even more folks because there's lots of services that is provided by the bureau that you may not be aware of for example i mentioned already healing in fast time uh, in Bangor, Maine. Contrary to common wisdom, Bureau 13 agents are not wishing to be instantly healed so they can get right back into the fray. They they actually look forward to what they was referred to in the uh, uh, in the stunt the the stunt uh, actors group as sheet time, <laughs> where okay because a lot of what you happens to a bureau agent isn't just physical damage. It's also a lot of mental stress, uh, either just you know injury, but also seeing things that human minds were not meant to be to see. Mages and uh, psionicists have a tendency to really burn their brains out, so they really don't want to just say, "Oh, here's a magic spell that just puts your rain and get back into it." Don't you know? Uh, like in uh, Time Bandits, you know, uh, you know. Bob's dead, you know, uh, your eminence, you know, talking to God. Well, that's no reason to lay down on the job. Up, up, and up comes Bob. <laughs> <laughs> he gets back to work. And I'm like, Bob was probably going, you know, I, I could have stayed down just a little bit longer, you know. <laughs> or know what? The line from uh, Age of Ultron. 
If they try to kill you, kill them back. If you die, walk it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and that can get old really fast, especially if you're one of those people that have radical regeneration and, you know, you keep dying and keep getting back up again and keep dying. You know, like Captain Jack. From yeah, I was just going to say Jack Harkness. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's, oh, yeah. that's really. And, and you know, and, and like he's buried for months. Waking up, dying, waking up, dying, waking up, dying. That's got to be bad. So anyways, the, uh, this is, so basically bureau agents like the idea of going, taking a, 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 basically a working vacation, you know, going in, laying down, you know, taking their meds, watching their, you know, their favorite movies, you know, reading a book, you know, doing some. Yeah, uh, I get to catch up. I get to catch up on my Netflix. Oh, yeah. look. See? <laughs> you said, yeah. oh, look, volume three of the chef shows on. I can catch up and see what John Favreau and Roy Chur. Right. Yeah. Now, yeah. when yeah. they come out, of course, no time has actually gone by. But for them, in their personal timeline, a, a significant amount of time has gone by. And uh, this can really help the, the mages who might have, anybody who suffered uh, loss of uh, uh, what's called mental stability, because that, that'll come back over time. It will not yeah. help mages gain uh, their PowerPoints back because usually they have to absorb that from their environment and fast time doesn't give them any more PowerPoints than slow time would. So, uh, uh, you know, in other words, you have to leave and go someplace where you can basically, you know, drain some power out of if you want, if you're doing well, that. Well, like of you, you'd go to a place like something high in nature, like, Oh look! I'm going to spend time at a log cabin near a waterfall, or I'm going to spend time. Oh, I don't know, like in a mountain valley, you know, near a ley line nexus, perhaps. Right. And exactly. Just spend a couple months there and soak that in every day. Right. So that's what that's what mages have to do normally. Okay, but psionicists, because their power is bio bioengineered, is bioproduced, they actually benefit from fast time and resting in fast time. So that's that's it's good for them. Now there are uh, machines that can actually produce psionic power uh, for people who are psionic who need to basically build yeah, their battery tech, bank. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I'm saying is it, it's in the books. It's in the source books that you they are dangerous. There's a chance of overloading yourself and burning yourself out. But it's uh, if you need to if you're down low and you need to get back into it, a couple hours on one of these machines can can really bring you up. To a really high level, so it's that's also available. Uh, I imagine you'd have to go to Bangor, Maine, to get that. Unless, of course, you know, you the bureau just gives you one, you know, and just says, just don't, you know, don't, don't, uh, you know, it's it's like one, uh, uh, one of those guys that has the uh, uh, the pads that he puts on and sits electric current through and helps him build up his muscles. Oh, and yeah. and, he, and yeah. they, they overdo that, and they end up, you know, giving themselves a heart attack <laughs> because yeah. of all the electricity they're sending to themselves. Same thing can happen if you use that kind of induced psionic recovery. So you got to be careful. You can't use it all the time. But you, know, you it's, can't it's, let the civvies near it anyway either, because they could actually induce psionic powers in them, couldn't it? There's a really there's there's a very low chance of that happening. Yeah. Yes, and it, and of course, induced psionics is one of the ways of getting the quote dangerous ones the dangerous right. yeah. type of psionics this is bruce sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there so go explore them and this is trav there's a reason why it's called gaming it's for having fun
Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.